watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here, Here comes the binge. binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we have, guess it, three movies. <laughs> yeah. um, three new releases, Atomic Blonde, Landline, and The Incredible Jessica James. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. And wow, does it feel short today. Boy, oh boy. Short and endless. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of been the order of the day. It's a, Would you call it a paradox? <laughs> no. Would you like to? A Chevy paradox no. of, a, of, a, of a news media cycle? No. Woof. Wow. Yeah. Guys, uh, in lieu of a what's up with us, we're just going to go ahead and riff a little bit on some current events. <laughs> It's been quite a week. Every week is quite a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, every day, despite being short, big picture, it does feel very, very long. I don't know about you, but I frequently have like woken up on Tuesday morning convinced it was like Thursday night. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's it, there, things. There's no rhyme or reason anymore. There's no sense of, of, of normal time transpiring. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the president tweets at 3 a.m. Eastern, it really throws yeah. the whole thing. I feel like... They should redo um, the time system now. What's that? Yeah. Greenwich Median Time? It should be like uh, DC Trump, Twitter time. Trump toilet meantime. <laughs> meantime. Uh, you know, and it's sort of like, it's like the whole world now moves in internet time. Yeah. Because, you know, like internet time is, is very dense and mm-hmm. things happen very, very quickly and constantly so that things that happened just a few short hours ago feel like weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And since we now have like a you know a Twitter troll president, he has now brought that ethos, that vibe mm-hmm. to life itself. Wow! Uh, so that because I mean, it started with binge watching Netflix shows. Let's be honest. <laughs> sure. Like that sure. set you the precedent. Be, you can't be blamed for that. Mm-mm. But uh, yeah, things things were particularly rough this week. We started off with the uh, healthcare vote. Which yeah. uh, which already feels literally weeks ago. I know. I was like, oh, remember that? I was like, <laughs> simpler, that was this week. Simpler right? times that. Um, and that, the, and that's just a constant. Also, that's just like a constant, uh, like fucking limbo that we all live in. Yeah, where you know the Republicans are just constantly just threatening, like this thing's gonna happen. We're gonna do it. We're not sure how yet, but we're gonna take away insurance from millions of people. You know, as soon as we figure out how, as soon as we get enough votes to, you know. So that's mm-hmm. that's to live in that in that constant mm-hmm. threat of that being done. It is called an abusive relationship. <laughs> Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're being gaslighted. Mm-hmm. We're being threatened. We um, are de- are uh, uh, denied access to the right. things that can help. But it is a, a gi- large scale, yeah. abusive relationship. We're being scaramouched. That's what is what's happening. <laughs> um, see something, say something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. There's healthcare. There was and is that since it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other thing about in general. And we're going to talk about some other things too. But like all these things, like they just. It's just his, you know, it's just Trump's expert kind of like bullshit stunt queen ability to like stir some shit up to get everyone talking about it and then never actually do anything about it. Are you feeling this is one large Housewives episode? I mean, not even a Housewives episode because they see things through. 
Uh, <laughs> there are clear arcs to those episodes, and there is fulfilling results. Mm. This is just, you know, he's just an he's just an expert bullshit artist, and so he knows how to just like keep stirring things up. And now he's the most powerful person in the world, so he gets to just kind of like you know do this and do this and then everyone's talking but then he's just like there's a very big thing coming there's a big thing coming i'm going to tell you a big thing you know like just like these teasing mm. these things that may or may not ever actually happen um and you know perfect example of that is this absolutely fucking bonkers trans ban military tweet i think that's actually the issue is that's one of the things that and you know the travel ban at the beginning of the year are is kind of the the opposite of this uh you know he's a bullshit artist and like will things ever happen things are happening mm-hmm. is the problem i mean i right. guess i guess well, technically that, yeah, he that, just tweeted happening. something right and it doesn't mean it's going to happen mm-hmm. but it would be i mean once you get something out there that kind of information out there mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure there's bureaucracy involved but i mean it's you know you've already done a, a good part of the damage which is like mm-hmm. making a group of people feel um, you know, less less than a, a citizen, mm-hmm. and you've and you've put that thought in other people's minds. Yeah, absolutely. And you've uh, undone glee. You've ungleed America. Exactly. Way to go, you the son ungleeing of, a bitch. of America. Uh, you know, and all this time I've been loving post glee America, but mm. now we're going back to pre glee America, which I guess is making it glee again. I don't know. Okay. Um, ugly. So yeah, ugly. Oh, uh. wordplay. I wonder if there was ever any articles about Glee that used that pun. But, uh, you know, and that's something that really bothered me whenever I would see people on Facebook saying, like, guys, this is just a distraction. Mm-hmm. Don't Or he's not going to come it. for gay people. That yeah, was well, another well, one. Well that, well, that is a different thing. But, like, you know, this, this right now, this, things happening this week. You people want, like, these guys, don't fall for it. It's a, it's just a distraction. As if, as if we're not capable of looking at two things at once. Right. As if right. the media isn't like, this just trying to throw us off the track of Russia. Like, right. no one's getting off the track of Russia. No. The media is fucking on it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going away. Like, we can be upset about two things at once. And also, I'm like, tell the trans people whose lives this directly impacts that it's just a distraction. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, so even though... It could amount to nothing uh, beyond hurt feelings. It could amount to nothing in the sense that he has not actually followed any of the protocol that's required for him to actually give uh, a reason to the military. Like, there's there's protocol in place. Mm-hmm. It, tweets aren't policy, basically. To send out a tweet is not a policy. Right. It's right. certainly cause for great alarm, but Rachel Maddow is reporting that the whole thing was just an attempt to cover up, um, to appease the conservative base mm-hmm. that he's losing by criticizing Jeff Sessions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was his way of just like throwing, you know, just throwing, you know, to him, trans people are disposable. He's playing mm-hmm. politics with it. And so he just like, oh, well, we'll just keep trans out of the military. And like, what could possibly be more like the fucking idiot moron ignorant base than being like, get the trans out of the military. Right, exactly. You, know, you have and you have transphobia and pro-military pro, although not really. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing pro-military about removing people who are actually willing to serve. Mm-hmm. I don't mean, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not willing to serve. Are you willing to serve? I mean, if I was asked, no one ever asked me. <laughs> a girl likes to be asked. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. Just for, some reason, for some reason, I'm not a stripper. No one ever <laughs> asked me. Like, I'm just having this like cut to how our lives would have been different. <laughs> if we had just it's been like asked to be certain It's like me in a like, ghillie suit sniping somewhere and you just like leg up on a pole. <laughs> I came close. I did come close. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, so, you know, it's just politics. And then also... So we had the, this is, this in some ways is more troubling. Uh, the Department of Justice is arguing that the Civil Rights Act does not protect gay employees from discrimination. 
The DOJ filed an amicus brief, meaning the government isn't a party in the case, weighing in on a private employment lawsuit. They argue that while Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act bars a discrimination in the workplace based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, it does not protect employees from discrimination based on sexual orientation, despite, quote, notable changes in societal and cultural attitudes. The brief claimed that the federal government has a substantial and unique interest in the proper interpretation of Title VII because it's the largest employer in the country. So basically, federal employees are uh, under attack for possibly their sexuality. Yeah, and this is also, you know, another way of showing, I think this is also Jeff Sessions trying to Mm. appease Trump. Mm -hmm. So what we have here is like just the LGBT community being used as a political prop, just back Mm -hmm. and forth as just like political trading cards, you know, or like, you know, like poker chips. Just like, oh, sure, you know, like, well, I'm, oh, I'm losing the conservatives. Let's fuck the trans people. Oh, Trump's mad at me because I, you know, I recused myself. I'm going to hurry up and fuck the gays real good. I also, it wouldn't surprise, I mean, I don't think that, like, Jeff Sessions also doesn't agree with this. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. But the timing of it, though. Right. And, there's, you know, there's the conservative base, like Freedom Caucus, that also um, appreciates these moves and, you know, people become more... Um, easy to persuade for things like the healthcare um, or the Russian sanctions. So, yeah, I guess that's what politics are. But this is a particularly targeted um, and terrifying yeah. thing. This is, I mean, the, you, you take away somebody's livelihood, their insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what else is there? And then if yeah. you're taking away public uh, health insurance, mm-hmm. you're basically creating a, a class of people. Oh, it's like you're creating a class of people mm-hmm. who can't succeed. It's not <laughs> oh. like we've never done that before in this country. No, it's new. It's new to us. And, you know, and certainly you mentioned this earlier, but, you know, uh, uh, certainly reprove to anyone who ever breathed the words, you know, I think Trump's going to be good on gay stuff. Fuck you. I mean, come on. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how, you know, anyone ever really bought that. And prior to this DOJ thing, I was still like, because I'm, I'm very, I don't want to ever conflate attack on attacks on trans people with attacks on LGBT sure. people in general, because I think gay men in particular have a tendency to make things very much about ourselves. Um, when, I haven't noticed. When it has nothing to do with this. I'm sorry. This is about me. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll hush up. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, so this was very much, uh, you know, attack on trans people. And I think that while it is the, the responsibility of all LGBT people to stand with our trans brothers and sisters, uh, I do think that it was specifically just about trans people. But then the DOJ brief mm-hmm. does now target all Mm-hmm. of us i mean i can't i don't i if the trans in the military um if that ends up going into action i think it's just a, a next step because you know part of the argument is that it's a distraction so i think that like gays in the military could clearly also be a distraction i think that like uh as as agreed like um gay people should stand and and help and defend um our trans brothers and sisters uh, this is also, and I, you know, I, I, this quote has been used so many times and it's pretty old, but this is definitely the like first they came for mm-hmm. situation. Right. This is, this yeah. affects every marginalized group mm-hmm. um, or anyone who cares, cares about uh, yeah. people in this country. Um, this is the time that, that you know, it's, again, it started with a travel ban, like groups are being selected um, and it's, they're not going, if they can keep doing it, they're not going to stop. Well, I think big picture, what they want to do is just take us back 
bit by bit to a time before Obama was president. Mm -hmm. Like they are systematically removing, repealing, trying to strike down every single bit of progress that Mm -hmm. was made. They want to make it like he was never there. Every just just systematically every bit every bit of it. Yeah, just erase. Just erase like it never happened, and take us back. And then if they can take us back even further before Clinton, fantastic. Right. Uh, you know it's you know it's it's appalling, and um, you know, and here we are. Um, but hey, there's movies. <laughs> there uh, are there are movies, including um, uh, including our first one this week, which is a fine movie to watch if you want to take out some aggression you're feeling about the news cycle. It's Atomic Blonde. Agent Lorraine Broughton is equal parts spycraft, sensuality, and savagery, willing to deploy any of her skills to stay alive on an impossible mission. Sent alone into Berlin to retrieve a priceless dossier from within the destabilized city, she partners with embedded station chief David Percival to navigate her way through a deadly game of spies. I chose this life. And someday, it's going to get me killed. not today so i love this uh this kind of world we live in now where uh so many leading ladies are turning into just ferocious ass kicking machines because mm-hmm. it wasn't always that way Mm-mm. uh you know it was you had like your your linda hamiltons mm-hmm. who were decidedly a lot more masculine presenting and did not get cast in glamorous roles as well you had your pam greers you had your sure yes absolutely you had your pam greers but in terms of like mainstream Hollywood cinema, mm-hmm. uh, it was really sort of Linda Hamilton around, and then Sigourney Weaver, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, and they're both handsome women. <laughs> um, amazing. We're still, we're still a little sore with Sigourney after these. We are. We are. Um, I haven't read Poe since. It's gonna be a long, a long road back. It's but so but now it, it, you know it felt like in a lot of ways it started with uh, in some ways Angelina Jolie. Mm, absolutely. I, I mean, she did so many fucking action movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, going back to Tomb Raider and Gone in 60 Seconds. And, um, you know, and that was when she started doing that, that was interesting. It's like, who is this? You know, because every now and then you'd have like a Bridget Fonda and Point of No Return or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but it, it was always these more B movies. And then to have an actual A-list superstar, mm-hmm. super glam, world's most beautiful woman on t- the top of many lists, be like, oh, I'm going to be fucking kicking asses now. Uh, it opened the door for like Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. to you know have this sort of dual career where she's doing these interesting character pieces and also kicking ass in a variety of franchises, mm-hmm. and um, and Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren <laughs> is another example, and uh, and now Charlize, who was so incredible in Mad Max: Fury Road. Mm-hmm. I thought um, you were saying in the Fast and the Furious. And in the, she was so <laughs> incredible in Fate of the Furious. <laughs> And going back to like the Italian job, it's not, right, yeah. it's not new to her. Two Days in the Valley, her very mm-hmm. first movie, had a knockdown drag off fight between her and Terry Hatcher, which is well worth watching if wow. you have not. I haven't thought about Terry Hatcher in a while. You're welcome. Thank you. Now I'm going to go rewatch uh, the, what is it, The Incredible Adventures of Superman or whatever that show is? Oh, yeah. Is. Avengers of Lois and Clark. That's Wasn't it. that what it's called? Lois and Clark. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that took a while. <laughs> Every now and then you guys get to hear us have an aha moment live on the show. <laughs> Rebecca just had one. 20 years. Just had long, one. long game on that fun. So, uh, so Charlize is, uh, she's, I mean, she's an otherworldly goddess. And she 
kicks a lot of ass. And she's never kicked ass quite the way she does in Atomic Blonde. Mm. And I think part of the reason that she kicks it with such conviction here is that she personally helped develop this movie for five years. Wow. She's a producer on it. And she trained with, I believe I read nine separate trainers because she wanted to do almost every single stunt herself. Wow. And, That's uh, insane. And she she cracked her teeth. She like bruised her ribs. Happens to everybody. It does. It's a common thing. Um, and uh, but you know she she fucking went through it uh, to make this movie. And there are these action scenes where you're watching her with just your jaw on the floor uh, because she is. I mean, she is incredible. the The glory of this movie is entirely the physicality of her performance. Mm. The rest of the movie is just, it's a so-so spy thriller dressed up in lots of super stylized Mm -hmm. late 80s looks and sounds. Lots of, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, sort of like neon pastel lighting in Mm. her her room. That is definitely uh, real hot right now. Yes, that's back. And this takes you back to when we first saw it, or at least people our age first saw it in the late 80s. And um, super, super fun late 80s soundtrack. Mm. There, at least one pivotal character is killed to the strains of Voices Carry. Really? Yes. <laughs> I feel this, like that alone would make me This see person it. is listening to Voices Carry on their headphones, and then someone comes in and strangles them, and there's this huge fight that plays out. While the is it Heidi? And, <laughs> and, uh, we're, we need to check on her. We need to check sure. somebody call her. I, know, I hope she never sees this, because it'll make her nervous to ever <laughs> listen to Voices Carry in earbuds again. <laughs> She'll constantly with her like fingers up that thing people do in movies when they're about to have the rope the around rope, their neck. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, just catch it the last second like that. You know, I mean, it's fine. I, it would, I seems think to Amy, work. Amy Mann is an okay last voice to hear. I think it's okay. I think Heidi's like, you know what? Just go. <laughs> She's like, it's my time. <laughs> yeah, you know. Friend of the show. You know, when Friend you're, of the show, when you're, when you're busted, you're busted. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but aside from all of that, this really is just about the glory of Charlize's physical performance. Uh, there, there's not even super a lot to the character. This is also a movie that tends to, it's very straightforward for most of the runtime. And there's like a twist toward the end that you see coming from like a mile away. <laughs> and then it just does this wild stacking of twists in like the last 10 minutes or so that it's just like nonstop. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. So it was, oh, oh, no. Okay. It was, it was actually, oh, oh, no, not yet. <laughs> um, and it's like, all right, this is not necessary. Um, but she is... Emily Charlize Theron is is 41 and is there is a scene in this movie that I think is truly one of the best action sequences in any movie ever made. Whoa, whoa. Ever. Whoa. Busting out the big guns. Wow. Ever, ever, ever. You've seen two action movies. There is. <laughs> so between this and Under Siege 2, <laughs> this has the better action sequences. Okay, so this is better than John Wick. This is better than John Well, it's actually John Wick. And John, John Wick. This actually is directed by the guy who co-directed the first John Wick. Ah. Jess. So uh, there's a scene where Charlize is trying to protect uh, a guy who knows some stuff. And she is, you know, spy movies. And um, and she has what looks like, I'm sure there's some fancy editing in here, but it's it's made to look like a single take that follows her down several flights of stairs, basically all the way from like the top floor down to the ground floor of this building. And she's just fighting the same two guys over and over again. And the camera is, there's no cuts. And we're watching her like in her entirety, like do, carrying out these fights. And, and it's amazing effects wise too, because she's getting like, Mm-hmm. The, the marks are showing damage yeah. so yeah so she's like bleeding and bruised and you know and then and, and they're not looking that great either 
And then it just it just keeps going and going and going and going and going, and you're you're just not breathing because it just hasn't cut. And this whole sequence goes on for probably like over five minutes. Wow! And, it sounds um, like that scene from Old Boy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't maybe the old boy when he like gets out of the prison and he like just goes down this like that long mm-hmm. like prison like yeah. alley and then fights all those guys in one take. Yeah, yeah. It's but it's, it's Charlie Theron and it's and like, this is and this is it's mainly the same sort of two guys because mm-hmm. she's sort of like. It's, it's, it's very intimate in the sense it's like it's just these two guys and it's sort of like she has to like kill them but like killing people can be hard mm. and so <laughs> and so you know so it takes a long time to finish them and then there's more people downstairs and then they're in a car and it just it never ends it and it's sounds just, like it, one of those uh, family guy like when Peter fights that big chicken just, mm-hmm. and it goes on which I believe is another analogy we made when we talked about cat fight <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But, uh, but you know, it is, it's, she's just incredible. And, you know, and she gives her all in these fight scenes. I mean, like the way that she can make her body move um, and the, the, the impact, the aggression, the violence of her movements, but also the complete controlled grace of her movements mm. because she's Charlie's Theron um is 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 remarkable i feel like this sounds like a good if you were to do like a double header back to back um of like wonder woman and atomic blonde yeah maybe and then just come at me and then, and then, and then I, wish, I wish a motherfucker I, would i wish a motherfucker would <laughs> uh yeah except for you know i mean this is a lot more just like a down dirty like you know espionage so maybe start with that one beat him up you know, it does. It's not as interested in in you know, in Wonder Woman's about also like the strength of her character and everything. Uh, you want a well balanced, you know. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the darkness it's to go. With, this is the dark to go with the light of Wonder Woman. Um, and you know, you just have Charlize, and the rest of her performance is pretty. You know, I'm sure this is by design, but you know, she's very remote, and she's mm-hmm. playing an MI6 agent with with one of the most unconvincing British accents ever used in the history of cinema. Really? Oh my god. Uh, she's just kind of like and she, she has did, an, she's, has a South African accent she does and yet uh, her British accent in this film she'll be like and it's always like in a whisper she's like I've arrived in Berlin I found David Passover I'm tracking him down to his next location Oh, uh, it's a strange. It, it sounds like it's not even as good as your Arrested Development. No, it's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's not as good for Mr. F. Uh, <laughs> the uh, range the, on that woman, oh, I swear. The Poppins. Gets <laughs> 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 you every time. Uh, no, so it's a it's a really bad um, British accent, but uh, but you know she's very she mainly keeps her emotions very very con- uh, controlled and contained. Except for when it comes to a certain special love interest mm. in the movie who's played by Sophia Botea. Go on. Who was in Kingsman and who was in the ill-fated Tom Cruise reboot of The mm. Mummy. Mm-hmm. And now in this is finally in something. Well, I mean, Kingsman people love. Uh, but, you know, in this, she's just entirely there herself. And, um, and it's... The movie doesn't really make a big deal out of the fact that Lorraine uh, has this this affair with another woman. Like, it's definitely... You know, it kind of goes in a little on. It, it's it's interesting because it's kind of like nonchalant about it, but still definitely like a little exploit. You know, exploitative with mm. the way it shoots their love scenes. How exploitative! <laughs> You're like, <laughs> yeah. what are we seeing when? Um, <laughs> you need me a timestamp. And um, I don't know. It's just like it definitely like cashes in. But I mean, it's a fucking giant action movie. It's not going to have like the kind of sex scene you'd see on like a Mark Duplass HBO show. Sure. Uh, you know, it's all going to be in keeping with like the stylized mm-hmm. heightened quality of the rest of the movie. So right. I think it's, it's not, you know, it doesn't, it's not a mark against the movie. And the fact that it is so kind of casual 
um, doesn't make a deal out of it um, is 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 good mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Uh, it's funny. I was thinking that like Charlize in this movie is almost it's what you would describe or would describe back when this was a thing as like a supermodel performance because it's all about the physicality. It's all about the movement. It's all about mm-hmm. like placement of your body. It's all about angles. Uh, there's not mm. much there's it's not really about like her emotion uh she's there to look amazing in both like a high fashion glamorous femme way mm-hmm. and also you know in a very intensely physical way and that's you know, also like a very angelina jolie action movie absolutely um, type thing yeah who do we have with her in this movie we have james mcavoy ah. who is who is a funny one to me because you know uh I, there, there just aren't very many uh sort of like UK leading men, mm-hmm. Scottish leading men, uh, that only do like bonkers action movies and B movies. Like mm. James McAvoy is not terribly interested in prestige movies. Mm-mm. He really just, yeah. he, he keeps it within like, in like the action genre. He keeps it in genre. He keeps it genre. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I appreciate that about him, I guess, you know, um, I think he's a great actor. He Know he, your lane. He, I mean, he, I think he can do more. He's just not interested in doing more. He loves being a genre actor. I mean, you know, he's incredibly talented. He's, to me, very cute. I think he, <laughs> he can do a lot more, but he just sticks with it. And uh, this movie does also have, so it takes place, not for any great reason beyond just having tension built into the setting. It takes place in the final days of the Berlin Wall. Oh, okay. So it takes place in Berlin in 1989. And, uh, and, it, and the whole thing takes place over the course of about 10 days. And during those 10 days, the wall starts to come down. And so it has a lot of fun... Um, sort of like depicting East versus West Berlin mm. in the late 80s. And, and McAvoy is like this MI6 agent who has been sent to Berlin and who's gone native and is now like just glorying in the underbelly of Berlin. Uh, so uh, which so it's, it's a, it's a prim- Sounds fun, yeah. It's a, it's a prime McAvoy role. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, John Goodman? John Goodman is also in it playing a CIA agent. Uh, interesting yes interesting casting yeah he's in there he's in there and uh, right away Charlize calls him a cocksucker which you know is now now what we call people in the the political discourse in the news she's calling him a real Bannon it's gonna be she doesn't say self though not as self cocksucker it's gonna be in all the newspapers tomorrow it is Uh, so if you're offended by hearing cocksucker it's in the newspapers you know we're just we're just speaking to the national discourse it's funny how um okay enough enough about politics <laughs> just derail it completely what are you going to give this movie uh you know i'm going to go ahead and stick with it consume in moderation i okay. think that uh you know it is it is not a perfect movie and it is ultimately it's it's a star vehicle in the truest sense of a star vehicle Mm -hmm. and not just in like a okay there's only one interesting character but in like the it's a vehicle for Charlize Theron to just show off yeah it is a show off vehicle for Charlize Theron to be like look what a fucking badass I can be and 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 if she didn't come through she didn't deliver if it wasn't thrilling to watch then I'd be like well that's just you know fuck that but she does come through mm-hmm. um so you know like i can't give it a binge it because as a movie it's just as i said it's just a so so spy thriller with lots of extra style thrown at it mm-hmm. but she is a binge it in this sounds good uh atomic blonde is rated r for sequences of strong violence language throughout and some sexuality and nudity um and our second movie um also taking place in uh well 90s a time longer ago a <laughs> time than now um, we have Landline. Two sisters come of age in 90s New York when they discover their dad's affair. Eventually, they learn he's not the only cheater in the family. 
Dad's having an affair. Oh my God. Why does he sometimes refer to himself as her Pillsbury Doughboy? Oh, it's because he calls his junk dough? Oh, Jesus. God, just broke my brain. So here we have the team behind Obvious Child doing it again. We have Jenny Slate and director uh, is it Gillian Robespierre? Gillian Robespierre and producer Elizabeth Holm. Mm-hmm. Why, I always have to one-up me. Uh, and uh, best boy, <laughs> Bill Thompson. Schmucky Jones. Old schmucky came through again with the best boy in the biz. <laughs> um, but I feel like um, compared to Obvious Child, uh, this one is a little bit more disappointing. Well, I think that, you know, what Obvious Child had was it had this huge issue Mm-hmm. That made it really notable, uh, yeah. you know. Even though I mean, it was always unfair to call it like the abortion rom com or whatever, but ultimately <laughs> that's kind of what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a romantic comedy uh, that dealt with a woman who was preparing to have an abortion, and you know, and still maybe wanted to date the guy who had impregnated her and wasn't sure whether to tell him. It was a it was a bold story. It was a fresh story. It was told with with the utmost heart and sensitivity, mm-hmm. and it was a great. It was the first great leading showcase role for Jenny Slate. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is this is just a smaller film. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is. Sure. To, to me, it's not a disappointment at all. To me, it's just smaller. Uh, you and know. smaller is better, right? And <laughs> that's what then I always tell people. No, I mean, you know, it's it's a smaller story. It's it's just mm-hmm. it, it it seems somewhat slight. It's just a kind of a little slice of gentle nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we once again have Jenny Slate. And we once again are focusing on this kind of, you know, Manhattan family mm-hmm. uh, that is going through marital discord. I mean, when an obvious child, her parents had already divorced. Mm-hmm. And in this, there's the marital strife because uh, Jenny Slate and her sister, um, who's played by, I believe her name is uh, Abby, Abby uh, Quinn. Quinn. Abby mm-hmm. Quinn. Uh, <laughs> I got this. Uh, so they find out that their father is having an affair, and mm-hmm. um, and so which is full on my so called life pilot. Mm, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Angela walks up and sees that mm-hmm. hot hot dad of hers flirting with that lady. Uh, and everybody hurts is playing. That's yeah. this movie missed was having everybody hurts play at some point. They did play a couple of. Uh, they had a very excellent car scene where they played Ten Thousand Maniacs mm-hmm. that I was very excited about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know and it seems like you know we can based on these two movies I think we can get a sense of kind of who Gillian Robespierre is as a filmmaker and it's someone who I definitely want to keep hearing from um, I think that as long as the writing feels honest mm-hmm. and as long as the acting is great and as long as it's funny then you know and true then I'm like I'm I'm here for it mm-hmm. uh, you know I think this is ultimately it feels like less of a revelation I, she definitely didn't one up Obvious Child but mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe the buzz was I mean, the buzz was huge in that movie, so maybe she just wanted to go off into a corner, and make something smaller, just to like make that next movie, so that she can just keep going and not try to like, how do I top it? How do I top it? Well, I'm not going to try to top it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, that and, could be a, that could be a reason. And no one else except Gillian Robespierre is creating the kinds of vehicles for Jenny Slate that she fucking deserves. That's true. That's true. I mean, what you know? What a breath, uh, breath, what a breath of fresh Jenny Slate always is. <laughs> just a breath of fresh. Um, this movie does have an all-star cast. You have her parents played by John Turturro and Edie Falco. Mm-hmm. Um, you have um, her J. boyfriend Duplass. played by Jay Duplass. <laughs> I swear to God, if you do that one more time. Um, we have Jason's... Uh, Jason's... <laughs> Jason's cr- Hollywood crush in her... Love... 
I don't know what we're going to say. Finn Whitrock. Oh, Finn Whitrock. Yes. I had another. I had Victory. Another, I had a name on deck I was going to just throw out there. I was going to say Flouncy Magoo, but <laughs> no, not Flouncy. I mean, it's not like Finn Whitrock would be it's like. close. Is Fla- it Flouncy Magoo? Flounc- flouncy Whitrock. Um, which, which feels, I feel like that's the highlight of the movie. Um, their interactions are super interesting. Uh, Edie Falco is never not Edie Falco. I no. don't think that's always going to be a thing. No, she's a real Dorinda. But, uh, <laughs> but she is always very fascinating to watch. Um, and, you know, poor Finn Wittrock. Well, mm-hmm. at least in this, in, you know, so in La La Land, he was cast off for Ryan Gosling, who was then cast off for Tom Everett Scott, spoiler alert. Uh, but uh, in this, he is the other man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he gets to play something a little bit closer to Dandy, his breakout character on American Horror Story Freak Show. In that, uh, you know, he's not a he's not a he's not a shining sweetheart this time right. around. Yeah, uh, and he says and does some crazy shit while Jenny Slate stands there <laughs> wearing insane '90s jeans. <laughs> uh, so about the '90s. About the '90s. This movie, um, you know, it, I feel like it's very purposefully you know, discusses that it's about the '90s, but I I feel like it doesn't feel like it's the '90s. It no. feels like a there was a very clumsy way. It feels like a very modern movie. Mm. Um, and but they just keep dropping in these '90s references in mm. a very like awkward way. Mm-hmm. And it it just it to me it took away from it. Um, other than the Natalie Merchant uh, song, mm-hmm. um, it just seemed like oh that thing that's popular now. Um, and even to the point where they uh, go to Halloween party dressed as the California Raisins, mm. which um, begs another question: Is that racist? Are the California Raisins racist? This recently came up in a discussion uh, and, outside uh, of this movie, and I don't feel prepared to answer that question. Um, uh, but that's uh, a rare, but certainly, opinion. but certainly, but uh, certainly, I mean, you know, they were anthropomorphized in a way that suggested black men. I mean, they were the uh, and they were, and they were right? voiced by black men. Yeah, so, and when uh, they were done by Big Raisin, Big, so, yeah, Big I, Raisin, which is a famous racist organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and Big, if, Big Raisin, uh, yeah, they, they sometimes are called. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, well, so the reason they did the 90s thing in this um, was because they, uh, Gillian wanted the story to take place before cell phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of the whole idea for her, in addition, probably su- suggesting her own, you know, childhood in some way, was that she wanted it to take place in a time that people had to, you know, had to talk to each other directly face to face. And that, you know, and she just didn't want to make another movie where people are like looking at their phones constantly and texting each other and calling each other. She wanted it to be like people are are being more intimately directly uh, connected to each other mm-hmm. for their conversations. And I think that the movie does have some really kind of affecting emotional scenes that are very mm-hmm. tough mm-hmm. to watch. Absolutely. This is not, you know, even though it's like a slight movie. It it packs a punch. There's some just gut punch mm-hmm. uh, scenes, and uh, and and Jenny Slate is is truly as brilliant as a dramatic actress as she is as a comedic actress. She's just so every everything from her is true. Everything from mm-hmm. Hilda first feels true and honest and directly from her heart. I think what I liked most about this movie is that so um, as we mentioned, the movie is about uh, Jenny Slate's parents um, who are getting uh, who are you know their marriage is in trouble because uh, her father is having an affair. Um, and then Jenny Slate's um, what like a little older than college, and then her like sister is in high school, about to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just this this moment where because what what's happening with Jenny Slate's life and her father's life is parallel, 
um, there's that conflict at the moment when you realize your parents aren't perfect, mm-hmm. but then also starting to understand them as an as an as an adult facing the similar problems um, mm-hmm. that I thought that you I think that you don't see very often, uh, but I really enjoyed. Yeah, no, I would agree, and I think that um, Abby Quinn, who plays the younger sister, is this is a brilliant sort of mm, breakout absolutely. performance for a young actress. Also, like, she has a great voice. She's she has like, a great voice. She like, sings some songs that went like a joke song, and it's yeah. like it's beautiful. Yeah, she is, and I think she is very convincing. She definitely, I mean. It takes place in 95, and I think 95 is when Kids came out, and I think that, mm-hmm. you know, she kind of does suggest, like, she could be a character mm-hmm. in Kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. that she she mm-hmm. had a kind of authenticity to her. Yeah, I um, feel like that was the most... Um, the closest it came. The closest, yeah. Um, you know, I think probably... So well, I interviewed Yulian Robespierre for Obvious Child, and I kind of, like, did a dumb thing where I kind of <laughs> tried to disguise a critique of the movie as a question. Uh-oh. Um, where I was like, so... I'm like, it's hard for me to picture... Uh, the parents, Jenny Slate's parents' characters, when they were married. Uh, because in the movie, mm-hmm. they're presented as like her husband, her daughter, her husband, her, her father is played by Richard Kind, mm-hmm. um, and who's like a puppeteer or something. It's just goofy as fuck. <laughs> and then the mother is this very like severe, straight laced, uh, kind of businesswoman type. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, what kind of, you know, when you picture their marriage, what did you, you know, what did you, what could you picture? Um, and um, And she's like, oh, you couldn't. You can't see them together, kind of like, you know, she's like the serious one. He like brings levity. And I was like, well, I could see why they got divorced. Wow. And she was like, I'm writing my next movie despite this motherfucker. I know. And then, well, Jenny Slate was there too. And she's like, well, you can always tell how people got divorced when you see them afterwards. So that's not like, you know, that's not, that's not specific to this. Um, so I think she was defending her. Hmm. Um, Wow. But, uh, but then watching this, I think like they must just be her parents or something because this, again, this is another Mm -hmm. couple of this movie where you're like, you're just like. They have very similar kinds of dynamic, right? And uh, you we can't have quite see them together. Edie Falco's character, who is uh, who works in local government and has this like uh, goes to she work in this like Hillary Clinton realness costume yeah. or outfit that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after Hillary wore her pink um, pantsuit for mm-hmm. her Beijing speech, then she wears the same pink pantsuit. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Also, I'm, that I'm, was a that was a kind of a little bit of a gut punch watching yeah. like pre mm-hmm. pre now Hillary I'm sure um, when they made this movie they thought that would be a lot more of a triumphant moment yeah when the movie was finally seen oh god here we are again yeah we've done it again yeah uh but you know all in all I just feel like this is this is just a really well done small little sort of domestic family dramedy mm-hmm. um and I think that you know the performances are all spectacular I mm-hmm. think yeah. I think Robespierre's attention to like emotional and character detail is really solid Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like it, it doesn't reinvent the wheel and it does suggest kind of a TV show at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like all in all, for me, this is a binge at. Uh, it's going to be out on Amazon, right? Uh, well, no, it's going to be in theaters. Amazon has, Amazon's going to have it for like, uh, okay. Amazon's the thing is, you know, that they have theatrical runs and they put it out on their service for Prime subscribers later. Gotcha. So, yeah, so it's in, it's opening in San Francisco this week. It's already out in New York and LA. Rebecca, where are you going to give it? Uh, I'm going to give it a consumer moderation. Yeah. Um, I would definitely wait till it comes out on tv um but 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 it's definitely a, a nice relaxing popcorn friday night movie yeah it is rated r for sexual content language and drug use and that brings us to our last movie of the week which is the incredible jessica james an aspiring playwright in new york fresh from breakup strikes up a new relationship with a recently divorced man I'm tall, I'm pretty, I'm smart. I am a cocoa queen. Obviously, I will have many great loves in my life. No offense, but I don't even know if I want to be here right now. Oh, well, why would I be offended by that? I thought this would be good for me to help me get over this guy I thought I was in love with, but this whole thing is making me think of him more intensely. Cocoa. 
cool. I'm getting a lot of inquiries regarding your status. It's my raw feminine energy. Hey, ladies, you're all queens. So here we have Jessica Williams, Jessica, yep. Jessica nope. James, Jessica Jones. Yeah, oof. What's uh, tomato tomato? Call the whole thing off. Where I kill? No. Uh, <laughs> what? Oh, I think that's probably really easy. Define it again. You, you, yeah, you would you would marry Jessica Williams. Yes. Fuck Jessica Jones. Kill Jessica James. That's it, and yeah. that's a review. Yeah, done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. Follow me in excess package. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we have the incredible Jessica James, where Jessica Williams plays Jessica James, not Jessica Jones, um, in oh, this movie that is. They're all uh, on Netflix, though. On Netflix. Oof. Um, she's amazing. Yes. We love Two Dope Queens. Yeah. We love uh, her on The Daily Show. Um, I feel like Jessica Williams is one of the great lights of our world. Absolutely. Um, uh, she is She is such a star. She's so... She 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 just... I don't even know if she knows how bright her light is. Like, it's, it's crazy. She's so brilliant. She's so beautiful. She's so smart. Uh, you know, she knows how to fight with Sama Hayek with the best of them. Oh, right. Uh, which was uh, something that happened at Sundance when she was there with us still in January that I think we mm-hmm. referred to in the past, the infamous throwdown between Ms. Williams, Ms. Hayek, and, and one Ms. Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> and one Ms. Kat Cora. Yes. <laughs> Talk about fuck, Mary kill. Woof. Um, so, Kat Cork and Cook. So we're thinking <laughs> have to weigh that. But this is just a subpar romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. This is just could not be more mediocre and wow, the chasm between the just the boring snooze fest of this material and the greatness of, of Jessica her. Williams' it, this movie star is tower. Literally a bushel. Yeah, and it's hiding her light under it. Thank you. You <laughs> 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 just needed to blow that shit shine. <laughs> I mean, wow, wow, wow. Uh, it's and also Chris O'Dowd plays mm-hmm. her love interest in this film. Um, and Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith Stanfield's there, not doing much, but he's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Chris O'Dowd is also, I mean, he's also a very talented, funny guy. Mm-hmm. And he, you would think them together, I mean, they don't, they also don't have great chemistry. No, like, not there's, great. there's not a lot cracking between the two of them. Jessica Williams' character, Jessica James, is uh, kind of a um, young female black um, Wilson. She's terrible. Wilson? Wilson. Oh, oh, oh. The So first I went to the, the volleyball, volleyball, and then I went to the neighbor and home improvement. <laughs> Uh, and I was like trying to connect her Isn't to both of those. Isn't it called Wilson? The, yeah, uh... I, think, I think it was called Wilson. I've already forgotten. I've already forgotten. It's best, it's best forgotten. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so she's kind of, yeah, she's very abrasive, says what she wants. But there's also, the movie doesn't even know how to depict her because it, yeah, show, it shows true. her acting in completely different ways mm-hmm. in, in nearly every setting. This is, the character is completely, is not at all relatable. No, she's so erratic. She's all over the place. Uh, you know, when she's out on dates, she is this like she's like she's so socially inept, and she's and she's abrasive, you know, abrasive cuts people off, very rude, funny, like full of like uh, full of an odd confidence. It yeah. doesn't like kind of fall in line with the rest yeah. of her character. But then she also uh, teaches acting to children, yeah, where she she's like very children warm, theater. and she could not be more composed, mm-hmm. more confident, more gracious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 and, and those are basically the two halves of her character. So we have like her personal life or her professional life. In her professional life, and I get this like, oh well, that's the thing that happens sometimes. No, not this. Not different. like this. You're not this different between right. your personal and professional lives. It's a completely. It's like it's like it's it's Jessica Williams sitting there in the children's theater group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, and, yeah. It, and it's Jessica James outside of the group, and Jessica James sucks. Jessica Jessica James in the streets, and then <laughs> Jessica Williams in the sheets. If you will. I mean, and the funny thing is. 
when I was watching this, all I was realizing was how much either they had literally written to her specific like lingo mm-hmm. or how much they were just letting her. They're just like, you know what? Like you're smarter and funnier than any of us. You just say what you want to. Mm-hmm. Because so much of what she says is like stuff that she, they say on two dope queens all the time, mm-hmm. like calling stuff trash right. or being like totes a preach or like, mm-hmm. you know, like the, like the shorthand is just so her. So mm-hmm. I just felt like, you know, it did not succeed in really creating much of a gulf between, like, character and person. Right. I mean, I guess it, that happens. It's kind of like a Lena Dunham girls type thing where there's, like, a bit of an overlap and, like, a fuzziness between, like, the real person and the character and, and the the work they've created. Sure. Um, and sometimes it didn't work there either, frankly. No, 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 it's true. But, <laughs> uh, you know, but in this, I guess I just feel like since there are these specific, that only Jessica Williams mm. says these things mm-hmm. or, you know, she calls herself a Coco queen, you know, like there are mm-hmm. things. I like, mean, I think other people say that you may just not know them well oh my god <laughs> most condescending thing you've ever said to me in the history of the show uh, uh, that's a wrap thank with, you so much for listening <laughs> you're like going on high note uh no i mean like in, even the fact that she her character comes from ohio i, I felt know. was like was that like, didn't even redeem the movie for I me no i know well you know which you know phoebe robinson her co-host in two mm. queens is from cleveland mm-hmm. and so i felt like that yeah. was a nod to phoebe uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, how did... So you and I both know what it's like to go home. So there's there's a segment in the film. It's probably one of the best segments in the film mm-hmm. uh, where Jessica James goes back to Ohio to see her family. And, you know, it's that thing of, you know, when you've moved to a city and you move back to... Or you go back to see your family and then it just feels weird and you don't, you're out of sync with, like, the culture. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, which, you know, I felt like it did that pretty well. But, like, did it reflect how you feel when you go back to Ohio? Um, so I think it's a, it's a little bit different because um, I, the, I feel like the relationship that they showed a lot there was like her and her family and it had that very like city mouse country mouse feel mm-hmm. uh, where you kind of come back and well, I guess I guess it's sort of yeah I guess it's relatable even in terms of like seeing old friends where um, there's this kind of you don't want to talk too much about where you are because that feels weird but then you also like can't believe that things haven't changed mm-hmm. um, so there's like the, a natural tension that occurs there unless you're able to like um, you know, not have any, I don't know, pretension about what you've done. Um, and then right. just kind of, you know, roll back like you've always been there. Yeah. Once again, Heidi. Um, but <laughs> well, I feel like that's rare. Yeah. I mean, although, I mean, I really believe that like our dynamic with people never changes. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's why when you go home, you automatically feel like that person you were when you were there, like yeah. all over again, which makes this trash yet again, mm-hmm. because she somehow, she is like New York Jessica when yeah. she goes back. I'm just like, that's not the way it works though. When you go back, like you just no. automatically, like it's not a thing you're conscious doing you just snap back into that dynamic that you were in for so long right like it might happen if you are like 22 and you move back and you're like i'm from the city and like you kind of have that that feel but right. i feel like she's in it like a kind of an adult in yeah. this movie and that that would no longer be yeah, the case exactly so this movie is nowhere near bad enough to in any way sully the potential of jessica williams no. as an all-around uh, all. entertainer um and she deserves far better and i and i hope she will get far better and mm-hmm. i hope she will make far better for herself because she's also a brilliant writer and uh and she i mean she's just the fucking best and i'm so mad at this movie for being so shitty um but she shines brightly even through this shitty shitty movie i'm still giving it a consumer moderation me too and only because of her mm-hmm. if it was not her then it would be such an easy send it back because wow this movie is trash uh to borrow her term <laughs> um but uh it is available on netflix uh today and it is unrated and that is it that's it. the last of our movies uh, thank you so much for listening uh, if you are so inclined please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is that you get your podcasts um, Jason is um, on Twitter <laughs> Twitter is funny now because it's yeah. uh, your political news right um, but you exactly. are in between your presidential tweets you can also get some updates from me at Excess Baggage I'm at Fight Balance thank you so much for listening bye guys bye bye
Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.